two, three. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. Today, I'm very excited. I got a guest on with me today. He has his own business on Amazon and he has his own podcast. His name is Danny Carlson. Welcome, Danny. Yeah, glad to be on. Excited to jump into this, Scott. And what's really awesome is he is uh, calling from the other side of the world, pro- like probably literally the like the other side of the globe. So, um, which is impressive nonetheless. So where are you at right now? I'm currently in Bali, Indonesia, just sitting in the co-working space that is maybe um, 200 yards from the beach. So quite often at lunch, I'll just take a walk down there and do a little meditation or, um, yeah, but being in Bali, there's almost no one in the co-working space because it's seven in the morning and people in Bali just, they, they work on a little bit um, more of a lax timetable, let's say. Um, except for except for guys like me, I'm working all the time. Yeah, so you're working a day ahead of me right now. You're on Wednesday. I'm on Tuesday. Um, how long have you been there? Been here for nine months, and um, I left Canada, uh, my home country, a little over a year ago. And right around that time, I remember the very last day before I flew out. It was raining so hard that the sidewalks were flooded. So the streets up to the level of the curb had like surpassed the level of the curb and was up and flooding all the sidewalks. And I'm like, yep, it's time to get the heck out of here. So yeah, not planning on going back. Yeah, <laughs> winter's about to start here in the US and uh, I start thinking about all the warm trips. So I'm very jealous of that. But one thing that you do um, fairly well for being across the world is, is really keep up to speed with your business. And, and like I see a ton of content that, uh, your company Kenji ROI puts out there and and some of it really caught my attention, which is why I wanted Danny to be on, on the show. And um, I mean, a lot of these things you kind of just need to know to be, you know, to consider yourself an e-commerce professional. And um, I mean, here, here's, here's two quick examples before I even ask uh, Danny questions. He, uh, you know, he talks about, uh, some image optimization that he's able to do with this company in India called Clipping Path India, and to uh, they'll do like uh, drop shadows or get rid of the background. Kind of cool that for a very cheap price you can do some additional optimizations on your images. You don't need to have a, a you know a, a graphic editing uh, background, and you can still get some um, good quality stuff. And then on top of that, um, he, and maybe I'll ask you a question on this one. He, he, he talks a lot about uh, uh, copy um, and, you know, kind of the way that you want to be writing things on your product pages for listing optimization. And I came across something that I've never heard of before called lamp lighting. This is the tactic where you tell the shortcomings of your product so that people know what they aren't getting. Like this is transparency that allows you to follow up with like a, a claim of what your product does do. And the example that they give is like a fidget spinner. So you're like, you're like this fidget spinner isn't really good with tricks and it doesn't do this, but, but it does do this. And what's really effective about that, uh, as explained, um, is you're, you're going to avoid negative reviews. You're going to like tell people what they're getting and what not to expect. Um, so tell me your perspective. I um, mean, why is it called lamp lighting? 
Yeah, so lamplighting is a really powerful <laughs> copywriting tactic. Um, and just to preface that, I think copywriting is one of the most important skills that a small business owner should learn because it's going to increase the effectiveness of all your emails, all of your Facebook ads, all of your Amazon listings, just anywhere that there's written copy. If you can make that more effective, it's going to make pretty much everything you do more effective. And it's pretty difficult to hire a good copywriter. The really good ones will charge more than $100 an hour, sometimes up to $1,000 an hour. Um, and there's a lot of really terrible ones out there. So learning it yourself makes a lot of sense. Um, so lamplighting basically, it's called lamplighting because it's like shedding light on something that most people will be sweeping under the rug. Contrary to what most people think, you actually want to tell people exactly why they should not buy your product so that the wrong people don't end up buying your product. Because if someone buys something and they, they think it's something slightly different or they're not aware of one of the shortcomings, then those people are going to leave negative reviews, right? So that's step number one. And you can show it to them using lamp lighting by just making it abundantly clear that your product has this shortcoming but then that allows you to sneakily put in a less believable claim. Um, it's still got to be a true claim, but um, you know, less believable would be something like, "Hey, it's it's the best quality." This, right? Right, a, um, a, a subjective claim. You know, yeah. by, by by being completely honest about what it doesn't do, you're able to say, "Well, and that's why this is the best for this." Exactly. Right. Like just because you are being upfront about that negative thing, it increases the believability of what you're going to say next. Um, and so it's a very powerful thing. You might you might put in something there that um, actually makes that downside look like an upside. So let's say that, OK, the fidget spinner may not be very big. It's really small, but that makes it really portable and easy to bring around with you at the bus stop or whenever you're bored or something like that. So it's like some people might see that as a negative, but you can spin it into something that's a positive for other people. Yes, I like that. So, um, I mean, you said, a, you said a very interesting point that, you know, uh, any businessman is going to be um, uh, do, writing a lot. You know, you're writing emails, you're writing uh the descriptions on your page and that this just needs to be kind of like a skill that you, that you develop. Um, you know, it's a different type of persuasion than, you know, sales. So, um, you know, when you, when you think of all the different locations on a product page that, uh, someone is going to be writing, uh, which one do you think is like, so there's like, you know, title, bullet points, description, and A-plus content, which one is the most important to like really nail? Uh, absolutely, that would be the product title. So different sections of the listing are selling different things. So the product title is selling the click. If you can create a product title that is compelling and it has the right information in there, and then the third part of that would be the right keywords, then someone is going to click on the product. And a lot of people forget about actually making the right information show up in the right places in the title. They're just focused too much on having their top keywords just all stuffed in there. Um, so quite often you'll see people put their main search phrase right at the very front and then their second search phrase will be like right after it. They're basically repeating the same information twice in a row. What you want to do is, yes, you want your main search phrase up front that clearly states what your product is, but then the second bit of the title 
you always want that to be the most important describing information about your product. If someone's searching Amazon and scrolling down the search results page, you're probably looking for something very specific. Um, let's say if it's headphones, then they specifically want you know, Bluetooth, like Bluetooth headphones, for example, as a very simple example. Then they're going to be scrolling. Their brain is scanning for that word Bluetooth because they don't want to waste their time clicking on a product that isn't Bluetooth. Right? They want to go mm -hmm. straight to it. So really important to optimize the title for that information. And then also, like, it's, it's the most difficult field on Amazon because you don't have very much space. So mm -hmm. getting the right mix of the main search phrase and the most important describing information and maybe sneaking in a little bit of benefit statements in there as well. Um, it's, it's a big dance, just getting the right balance yeah. of all those things. There, there definitely is value in sneaking in uh, stuff towards the end. For example, uh, the Bluetooth headphones. I found out that I like one of the newer features is Bluetooth 5.0 allows um, the, that, that means that it can connect with more than one device at a time. And as a Bluetooth headphone user on airplanes, I'm actually bouncing between my tablet and my phone. And being able to connect to like two devices is, is <laughs> if you can't do that, it's like really annoying. So if I saw 5.0, I guarantee you I'd click on that. And then to add what you're saying to agree with you that this is the most important of them all, I would argue that many shoppers, myself included, the title may be the only copy that you read. If you're if you're if you're a shopper on your phone, um, you know you see the price, you see the reviews, and you see the title. You're like, I'm sold, done. And um, you know the rest may be for those uh, shoppers that are going to go the extra mile and to to study the product. So um, yeah, so thank you for really hitting the title. I agree completely, and that was uh, some uh, some good points. Um, now, okay, let's take the next three bullet points, description, a plus content. What's next important, most important. <laughs> yeah. So you're absolutely right that a lot of people will only read the title and look at the images and make a decision. Um, and this is proven because when I started selling on Amazon, um, three years ago or so I would run tests. Like I would be doing lamp lighting. I would be putting things that I wanted the customer to know about that are negative in the first bullet point, like the very top bullet point at the top of the description. Um, and it would still get people leaving negative reviews about that thing. So that just proves that a large amount of customers were not actually reading that, right? So I had to start putting things in the images um, and actually the title for, for that certain product so people were totally aware of it or else people are, are not reading it. Um, but that being said, um, I would say the next most important field would be the bullet points, uh, just because everyone has access to the bullet points and your top two bullet points, people are probably at least going to like scan their eyes over it, um, but only if you do them correctly. So I see way too many people putting a ton, a ton of text in the bullet points. And, um, you know, in my circles, the bullet points are not that important for keyword indexing or keyword ranking, right? It's a good place for that, but it's much better to focus on having really easily digestible benefit statements there than it is to try to stuff a whole bunch of keywords in there and just make it super long. Um, and so I would really focus on making benefit statements as like a heading of each bullet point. So maybe um, three, three to five word benefit statement and then explain with the rest of the bullet point why your product provides that benefit. Uh, it's just a really mm -hmm. powerful way to do that. Interesting, um, yeah. Yeah. 
and I would recommend about 170 characters per bullet point. So that the reason for that is that shows up about two lines of text, and that's typically the minimum you really need to get two sentences out there that are like really clear, refined headlines. It does take a lot of work, um, but it keeps everything nice and clean while still getting really good benefit statement across to the customer. And then after the bullet points, I would recommend A-plus content is definitely what you want to be doing if you have access to it, if you have Amazon brand registry. Um, but a lot of people forget that the description is also an indexable field. So if you just leave your regular description in there, then on some, on some categories, that regular description will show up as well on top of the A-plus content, and some it won't. But in all categories, it still will index for keywords. So you still want to have it whether you have A-plus or not. Um, and when it comes to A-plus content, I see a lot of people uploading images that are just regular images with no graphic design added to them, and they're missing a great opportunity to really show the customer your branding and create a much a much more professional experience for someone going down there, right? My goal with A-plus content is to always make it look like it's my own website. It should be my landing page, right? It should be like a nice banner up there with a bunch of graphics and some, some icons and zoom-in bubbles and all this kind of stuff. Um, if you're not, it just doesn't look as professional. Um, you're missing an opportunity to easily and effectively communicate information using some graphics um, because a lot of people are visual shoppers and not going to read any of that text. And um, it all should be cohesive with the same type of text on the images, the same colors, the same kind of graphic style. And yeah, like it, it does feel, I mean, like uh, A-plus content, you know, if you were going to use a professional designer or like if you have no experience, that's kind of where like their skills will really show because um, it's so much uh, space and real estate that like the, like what you were just saying, um, the, the consistency of, of the text and the, and the, and the colors that they use will will play an impression um but like that's a lot of work um to to do the design on an a plus um content like um in your experience how much of a difference maker is it um we've seen conversion rate increases of seven to ten percent I mean, typical is going to be closer to 5%, but it really depends, one, on what you had there before, and then how much of an improvement what you have is now. Like, if you have no A-plus content, and then you get A-plus content, it can be pretty significant. Or okay. we've, even seen, we've even seen bigger changes if someone has really bad A-plus content, and then they get good A-plus content, because bad A-plus content can actually hurt you more than it helps you. You just have a bunch of, like, terrible stock images down there, and you've just done a terrible job, and you maybe put you know, a million paragraphs of text and no one's going to read it, it reflects poorly on your brand and you're just going to leave a, an even worse impression than if there was no A-plus content. So um, it is something that can actually hurt you more than it helps you if you just like throw something up there and just make it really terrible. Mm -hmm. So I know uh, some people, you know, they have dozens or even hundreds of products that they manage. Um, how much would you prioritize A-plus content? Yeah, that's a great question. So I always recommend that the main images are the number one thing that you should be putting your focus into, assuming that you, you know, you've done a, a half-decent enough job of your keywords that you are going to be indexing for the right keywords, then for sure the main images are going to have a much higher effect on your conversion rate than A-plus content will. So I never recommend anyone 
get A plus content unless their images are are good and they're optimized well and they're high quality, right? But secondary to that, I think it would be the most important improvement that you can go after. Let's say you do have Amazon brand registry, your main images are pretty good, um, you're pretty confident you got your indexing for the right keyword phrases that you want to, then for sure that would be the next best step is to get the A plus content in there. Um, okay. You could, yeah, you could argue that a video in your main image slot could be good as well, but that one is, it's less consistent results just because video is such a, such a unique thing, right? A really good yeah. video is going to perform like 25 times better than some crappy video that's put up there. Yeah, no, that makes that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you talk a lot about indexing, and are you mainly? I mean, like obviously, there the the bullet points and the titles. You you're indexing the the, the Amazon algorithm is learning about your products through those words. Um, how much additional benefit are the uh, you know the back end search terms? Uh, do are, do you um, in your? I mean, some of this experience may be anecdotal. Um, but there's probably five or six different uh, fields where you can tell the algorithm more about your product. Um, do you have any uh, experience thoughts with, with, with those search terms? Yeah, so um, we like to prioritize the subject matter fields. So those are five fields of 50 characters each. Um, and what we do with those is we actually put our main search phrases in phrase order within those fields, just as like a backup because it appears to have some good ranking juice on there. Um, and there's such a small amount of text fields there that it doesn't really make sense to try to get a bunch of extra stuff in there. Um, we use the search terms field, the 250 characters, for just those extra keywords that we couldn't really slip in there. So what we do is we put the entire listing into a tool. We use um, Killian 10 scribbles for this. Um, and then we get our list of keywords and it's automatically going to remove all of the keywords from our list yeah. that are within are within that. And then uh, we just pare it down to the 250 most relevant ones and put it in there. And it's not a whole lot of extra fields, but we always prioritize for relevancy now instead of trying to go for, you know, back when you had 5,000 characters in the back end, the common knowledge was to just pump it full of as many related keywords as possible. And that probably was hurting the relevancy more than it was helping you um, extrapolate to a bunch of different keywords. So right. we like to keep it yeah. tight and relevant. Yeah, I actually heard that recently here. Um, it was a very specific party item, you know, decoration for like a, a, you know, a kid's party and someone in the keywords put celebration. While a party is a celebration, uh, if someone's typing that in, you know, you're actually a, a very, you're a subset of that party supply. And I thought that was very interesting that like, yes, there are tons of relevant keywords, but really what you want to do is make sure you're always getting the most relevant traffic because irrelevant traffic is only going to hurt your, your uh, conversion rate. You know, you get people clicking or, or thinking that's product might be one thing and it's actually another and Amazon's algorithm may punish you for that. Oh, absolutely. So Amazon's algorithm is incredibly smart and complex. So if you're feeding this algorithm information that is not, not very accurate, then it's going to confuse the algorithm. It can do a much better job if you feed it really good information. If it's very clear what your product is and what it is not, um, then you can just let this smart algorithm do its job. It's like to think that we are smart enough to to trick an algorithm that people 
at Amazon don't even know how it fully operates. Um, you know, it, it works to some degree, but it's probably going to have some negative effects on the back end of that somewhere, right? So just always think, like, how can we make this algorithm work for us instead of potentially against us? Yep. No, that's, yeah, it's super, you really, I mean, I, I wish you were on my marketing team. <laughs> um, you're, you're, everything you're saying, I'm agreeing, but you're right. Um, okay. Something I've never even touched before on the, uh, on the podcast is, uh, has a ton of like, everyone talks about this, is how you get reviews. And um, I don't want to dive into it too quick, but I would like to hear, because um, I, I think you're right on point with everything so far, like what's some good ways to get some white hat reviews you know, uh, with the terms of service you know, compliant? Yeah, so I mean, this is this is one of the most difficult things about selling on Amazon. It's like, where is the line between white hat and gray hat and black hat, right? So I, I've seen, well, I, I know personally quite a few people that do some grayish hat tactics that a lot of people would say is actually an incentivized review. But then again, those are what is the most effective. Those are seven times or eight times more effective than the ones that are completely white hat, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's I, a decision a that you have to around, sell after make. Around product inserts that's one where like a lot of this gray hat stuff people do it for years and nothing you know because um, product inserts are a little bit more challenging to police there it's different than like you know when there's a an online trail um so i mean uh it's clear that like amazon is cracking down on what they call incentivized reviews where like shoppers are given a benefit either a, a, a rebate or a coupon, and I can't, in good faith, recommend people to do that. But I mean, you know, it it gets done all the time. Oh, absolutely. Um, and where it gets really gray is where you start to get into stuff like email sequences and many chat sequences, where yeah. um, you could argue that. Um, an Amazon employee, they would have to go down all the different potential branches of a many chat sequence in order to really see um, if it's being incentivized or not. And um, it becomes a lot less gray than rather if you put it in one email, it's just like very clear, like, yeah. hey, if you if you do this, then we will send you a free product. And uh, if you leave us a review, right, that's yeah. very clear. But like um, Amazon, for example, if you are in many chat flow and you ask the shopper if they liked it or not and they say no, then you're not going to ask them for a review and you're going to send them to your customer service. But if they no. say yes, then it's going to send them down the yeah. other branch in the many chat flow. Right. I did see about a week or two ago, I'm pretty sure Amazon came out and said like, you know, conditional um, messaging is like what exactly what you just said is against terms of service. We got suspended for review manipulation once. And I didn't tell anyone on our team that I did have some email campaigns that had some conditional uh, messaging. I think that might have that, that was the only thing that we had that um, was uh, fuzzy, you know. And whereas most of our emails that we're sending out were pretty much straightforward, you know, leave an leave, leave an honest review of the product. And totally, and that becomes much more dangerous if you're doing it within Amazon's email follow-up system, where Amazon employees have direct access to that. Mm -hmm. But I think the reason why a lot of people are getting away with it, or maybe think that it's not as gray or black hat as it I think it is, um, is they are running Facebook ads 
And the yeah. only people who are ever going to get into this many chat flow are the people who see the Facebook ads. And you have a lot more control over who you're targeting with the Facebook ads. Right. Yeah. So um, it becomes very difficult for anyone to really to, to look into that. Um, but I mean, mm -hmm. it is working the most effectively. And, and I guess the uh, the only like super white hat way is either in product inserts or uh, an email follow up where you just say, um, you know, we appreciate an honest review. Is there anything That's outside of that? It. Yeah. That's basically okay. it. Um, if you want to go one layer less gray hat, that, <laughs> that this one's actually arguably okay is okay. you would have your product insert and you would you would give someone the incentive no matter and you don't mention their review uh, but then you follow up with them and ask them for a review later so it is getting some of the effect of the human need for reciprocity but it is technically not tied to the review now like you could you could argue this that amazon would still see that as incentivized but you got to be very clear with your language that hey, everyone is getting this incentive, they're getting this free product, whatever it is, and don't even mention the review in that, but then later you're following up with that same customer for the review. Uh -huh. I, I do think it's, 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 uh, it's interesting and also uh, helpful to know, you know all the different uh, tactics and because people may have different thresholds of like risk tolerance, I guess you could call it, um, I know my company, 100%, we want to be as far away from the line as possible. We actually haven't even sent out emails for the last year or two just because we were scared. Uh, we, do, we, we can't afford, uh, you know, uh, we, I have a, you know, 120 employees, cannot even afford uh, to be down. So, um, but it can't be understated how important reviews are you will blow through a lot of um, pay-per-click ad spend if you don't have reviews. I'm not gonna, I generally don't buy products on Amazon that don't have a review. Just think about yourself and like how valuable reviews are for you. Uh, so I'm, I'm really glad to hear, you know, you kind of bounce around the spectrum and uh, just so we are more informed. Um, I have a question. So I, I gather you're, um, you've only been selling for three years and like you're on the younger part of your career. How is it that you became such a, uh, you've lasered in a lot of knowledge onto product page optimization? Um, that's mostly just kind of an accident. So my company, Kenji ROI, my agency, um, it, it started just kind of by accident. So what happened there is I learned the skill set of doing sales copywriting myself so that I could write my own Amazon listings. Um, and I kind of got obsessed with it. I kind of just like, you know, mm -hmm. took a few courses, read all the classic books and everything um, and really dove into it. Um, <clears throat> and that was working really well for my own listings. And then I started doing some contracts for some other friends who are Amazon sellers too, just on the side. Uh, but then it wasn't until um, halfway through my first year of selling, I got my Amazon account suspended. And that scared the crap out of me. It was actually suspended for, um, you know, I didn't get that, that payment from Amazon for three months. They held on to a payment. And so I'm sitting here freaking out. Like, I just paid all these suppliers that is like paid to order like three new products at the time. Um, and I was freaking out about money. So in that, in that moment, um, I was either going back to being a carpenter in the 
Pissing Rain or Vancouver Winter, or I was going to double down on this copywriting thing and, and really make a full-time income from that. And, and during that few-month period there, I just really doubled down on that and, and scaled out a team and you know scaled out my marketing and, and everything like that. Um, and it kind of and it just grew organically from there. It became the expert on Amazon listing optimization. Yeah, um, I like. Yeah, I, so you've seen the fear of seller performance that sucks, and then out of necessity, you kind of had to pivot. That makes sense. I mean, I I do. F- um, you know, a lot of great sellers out there or people that are successful in this space, uh, you know, they're hungry for becoming better and for growing their business. And I always like to be around people like that. Uh, I, you know, some people on their own dollar before they've even proven a lot of concepts will, you know, fly out for and pay a lot of money to a conference to me that just like shows like a crazy commitment sometimes before uh that that people will take to their own business so i'm I'm super impressed by you and what you've accomplished so far and um i mean i think this um interview shows really well that uh your business uh kenji roi is is really good at what they do and then on top of that um Danny has a podcast called the Actualized Freedom Podcast. So check that out. Um, and I, I highly recommend, I read these. Um, I've only been on it for about uh, maybe five, six weeks, but I read his, um, his newsletter, sign up for the newsletter. And, you know, you will see the regular, uh, some of the subjects that we covered are, are highlighted on it. And I, I'm sure that there, there is more there and you can get kind of get some regular uh, updates of how to, how to be an e-commerce professional. And, um, and so I'm glad, I mean, I, I like to hear how Danny learned the hard way. You know, he uh, spent some time um, on the, on the wrong side of seller performance and uh, just so he, uh, yeah, just, so, so I, I feel like we're on the same page. You know, we've, we've all seen that. Um, I, I mean, I could probably talk to you for another half hour about these subjects and, and more, but I, I think I wanted to leave it um, to just, you know, those, those specific subjects of product page optimization. Um, but maybe I'll throw some follow-up questions later to you and, uh, get some more knowledge um, is there anything else you know that where how people can get a hold of you or um, you know and, and like how can they get a hold of you on social media anything or that you have yeah you guys can always dm me at um on facebook or instagram danny.k.carlson um and i also post tons of images of me doing uh, acro yoga that's like my favorite thing to do just like lifting lifting cute girls in bali up on the air and weird <laughs> positions so you guys can uh, follow me for that kind of stuff. Um, so that that newsletter that you mentioned, the way to get to that, you go to KenjiROI.com and there'll be an exit pop that'll just offer you the uh, five mistakes um, that Amazon sellers make most often checklist there. So K-E-N-J-I-R-O-I.com and the Actualized Freedom Podcast is, is where I talk about this stuff all the time. And Scott was actually on here um, a little while ago. That episode should be airing quite soon. All right. Um, and yeah. Yes, yeah, stoked to be on here, man. Appreciate it. Okay. No, thank you so much for your time. And um, 
that we can uh, still connect and geek out on Amazon topics across the world. Um, I hope to stay in touch with you, Danny. I actually, you will see a few questions for me in the next month or two. Um, and uh, because uh, it sounds like you're very involved and have, a, have actually networked with, with a lot of great sellers. So um, impressive all around. And uh, let's see, let's just wrap up with the show asking the audience to, uh, you know, if you, if you like what you hear on this episode, share it with someone uh, that you know that would be interested. That's probably the, uh, my favorite thing is, I actually don't care about reviews anymore. I don't care about uh, making money off of this podcast, but I do like being connected with more uh, sellers. You know, growing an audience, I, I, I find tremendously valuable and interesting, and I, and I have a, a lot to, to learn. So uh, please share this with um, those that you, uh, that you work with and that are other cells out there that'd be awesome okay all right thank you have a good one everyone see ya peace one two three This episode has been produced by LaunchPod Media.